Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Wrestling With Memories. I am Fash, the Million Dollar Fan, and here he is. Look into my eyes. What do I see? I see a punk without a personality. Wax, the brain, Hussein, you've been out of commission, which means our show's been out of commission as well. Uh, cough, that's been troubling you. Thankfully, it wasn't COVID and you're on the mend. But what I want is for everyone in the audience who is watching and listening to keep chanting. Uh, Brian Danielson, instead of yes, keep chanting, control the cough, control the cough. We need to get through the show. <coughs> Yeah, that was a fake one there. It's uh, a fake one. I'm sure the new one will show up. I have had this uh, lingering cough now for three weeks almost. Um, every time I started a sentence, I would just be splurting out some coughs. But thankfully, it's a lot better. Um, and I've got the mute button at the ready just in case I do do go off on one. But um, I'm feeling good. But I can't take all the credit here, Fash, for the delays. First couple of uh, weeks, um, there were various building delays in your latest house project yes um, um i don't think anyone's interested in that but yes there's been some delays at my side as well we're looking as you know wax we've mentioned it we're trying to create a man cave where we can do our podcast or at least probably you know social distancing etc um, maybe we can do some shows together there but yeah i'm looking for a new location within my property which will be more friendly to wrestling with memories so some delays there delays with your health but now we're back and we probably have to remind everyone um where we left things off Absolutely. Before we left off, before the long break, we covered in detail the run-up from WrestleMania all the way through to about a month prior to SummerSlam 1992. This is, of course, the SummerSlam that was held in the UK. We covered very much the angles that were coming out of WrestleMania and what we thought was going to be the build-up and the actual matches to SummerSlam. But we also covered how things all suddenly changed very quickly, Fash. Now that's it and um, yeah the last show was very much about what could have been and how Vince McMahon did an about face and changed lots of rivalries and storylines and then we really went into August where we had the the production of the card that we saw it was bigger I guess it was better because it was going to be in Wembley Stadium as opposed to I think Washington we'd, we'd outlined that last time where you know things were moving towards initially um so yeah it, it was a lot of storylines that were dropped and we went into a new direction and really this show was about looking at the major stuff that we were basically witnessing before going into SummerSlam now in the next show when we review SummerSlam Wax we'll also discuss our memories of the time I think that's really important you know um going back to because I certainly have some vivid memories from that summer of 1992 and I'm sure you do as well but just before we get into the main event of today's show there's also lots of things going on in professional wrestling and that's why we've started our wrestling with the present kind of side show where we give some thoughts on it but we are behind because of you know us being out of commission so various things have happened um we mentioned cm punk previously but brian danielson debuted adam cole's in aew big e is the wwe champion and there's been big controversy coming out of dark side of the ring with a plane ride from hell and i suspect in this week's show, which is covering Canyon, there's probably more controversy in relation to some people. So I think we need to say it's spend some time in the coming days and maybe do a little show again on what's going on in the present world of professional wrestling. Really vibrant and exciting right now. Um, lots on the horizon. But let's get into the time machine and let's go back to the August of 1992 and our road to Wembley Stadium, SummerSlam 
Okay, Fash, let's deep dive into the last month's run-up to SummerSlam 1992. And let's very much focus on the world title picture. Coming out of WrestleMania, we've seen Macho Man Randy Savage beat Ric Flair for the world title. And he would hold on to that title all the way through this run-up. And about a month prior to SummerSlam, you know, as we talked about, lots of changes happening. Prior to this, we thought it was very much going to be the rematch between Ric Flair and Macho Man. But suddenly out of the blue, it's announced at the same time that SummerSlam has announced that the main event would actually be the Ultimate Warrior versus Macho Man Randy Savage for the world title. Now, first of all, completely out of the blue, Fash, um, how, how did you react to that news? It was difficult going back that time, but I remember being very excited by Wax. This was certainly the biggest match that they could have given us at the time, with Hogan being gone, the Warrior being back, and Matchman being the champion, and then also thinking about the previous rivalry between the Warrior and the Matchman. But two big baby faces, so I think when it was announced, it was really exciting but intriguing as well because now they're both were on the same side of the fence it was confusing as we said because warrior papashango macho man rick flair but they announced and it was the blockbuster main event for what was going to be now the biggest show um in a long time so i remember being really excited and as we've said many times i was a warrior fan so i was really excited thinking he was going to win the championship and but what about you do you remember anything because you were very much as i keep saying a rick flair guy at the age i was i was uh yeah i was very disappointed that it wasn't gonna be rick flair but very quickly you realized that rick flair was going to be an integral part along with mr perfect in this whole storyline and if we go kick off to you know the first time that macho man and ultimate warrior are sort of on the screen together. It's the Superstars episode of 25th July. And we have an interview segment with uh, Mean Gene. And we have Warrior coming out. And then we have Macho Man coming out. And I thought that it was great to actually hear the there was a very similar reaction from the crowd to both men. Just going to show that both yeah. were actually very over at this point. Um, and I couldn't really tell whether one was more popular than the other. But um, I don't know if you have an opinion on that, Fash, at that time. I'd be a bit biased at that time. I was certainly hearing louder cheers for the Warrior, but you're right. Both were doing, you know, excellent with the fans. What, you know, Matchman was established after his feuds with Jake the Snake Roberts and Ric Flair. So people liked him as the champion and the Warrior was back. I think, you know, he was getting huge reactions as well. So I think, yeah, it was kind of this 50-50 probably in most places. Um, and at this point, a lot of intrigue in terms of what would happen here. Yeah, and one of the other things that, you know, we always comment on is this face versus face match or maybe a heel versus heel match that's headlining a big show. And you never really think it's going to work very well. But the way they played this was really interesting. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about it. But, you know, the intensity of the Macho Man and the Warrior together, you know, it was they were blurring the lines a little bit in terms of, you know, how much they wanted the title meant that they would be willing to do almost anything for it. And that's really what this interview built around. But I suppose the best part of the segment was really towards the end um you know after each side is done talking um you know you got mr perfect and rick flair coming out to the middle of the ring uh and rick flair then does his promo um i think he says something like hey you two pansies um and you know talks about him being the best uh in the world wrestling federation and not the warrior um and he goes warrior i've been beating up guys with paint on their face in my whole career, which I thought was a great line. It was a brilliant uh, nod to the Sting and the Road Warriors yeah. in the past. Uh, the Mr. Perfect calls Macho Man Macho Chicken, uh, which again, hilarious. And, uh, you know, Macho Man is just incensed at this point and he wants to just run into the ring and starts attacking Flair. But obviously, Mr. Perfect's in the ring with him. And at that point, you think very much it's a two-on-one situation, but they've forgotten about the warrior fash who makes his entrance and saves macho man not that macho man 
has any gratitude he makes in him. The save, but the, the macho man doesn't like that, and we get the first stare down between the two, and essentially they're about to go at it, and then as ever officials get in the ring. But this was great, as you say, because the macho man is in sense he's playing that kind of short fuse character warrior saves him but he doesn't trust him and they're going to face each other but rick flair's not out of the picture and this is what made this unique because yeah we said you know what happens to rick flair now so he's annoyed and i remember at the time mr perfect's on commentary with vincent mann and he's in sense enraged that this announcement's been made and rick flair's been yep. um, overlooked so it was a good way to kick things off and you don't know what's going to happen with flair and perfect moving forward and you know it was interesting watching this again they then played this sort of story in the future uh, a number of times i think in wwe and in wcw and you know when you think down the line for example, um, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, going into WrestleMania 17. It's that kind of two baby faces. One helps the other one out, but there's distrust, and then they go at it. In WCW, they tried it a few times as well. Um, one of the memories would be Goldberg and Bret Hart. And, you know, then mm-hmm. the, the, the guys become a tag team, but they don't trust one another. So, you know, a lot of the things we saw here, because it was still, you know, one of the few baby facers, the baby face rivalries going into a big event. Um, you know, some of this was then used in tweet in later years, which was quite interesting. Yeah. And I think already in just one episode, they've managed to get the audience into this match yep. and the intrigue of Mr. Uh, Perfect and Ric Flair being involved as well. It leads on to a couple of weeks later, uh, Superstars again on the 8th of August. And this time we've got a, a single promo from The Warrior. Um, and I think he's with Mean Gene. He's talking about the SummerSlam match. And, um, you know, halfway through, Ric Flair comes out to interrupt him. Uh, and Flair says that Macho Man um, was on the phone to Mr. Perfect, asking him to be in his corner so that he would guarantee victory. I think he says victory is a virtual lock, big boy, is what Ric Flair says if... Uh, Macho Man has uh, Mr. Perfect in his corner. Viffler says it's not a done deal yet. Warrior can still get in on it. Um, and Warrior very much says that if Macho Man has made it clear that he was willing to do anything it takes, then you know he would do something similar. Um, and I think just that, again, we talked a little bit about how Warrior gets bashed for his promo skills, but I think in this period, in this run-up, I thought he was immense. Yeah, absolutely. No, I agree with you. You know, people just overlook um, good stuff when it comes to Warrior, a lot of people in the industry. And here, yeah, it was, and he was very much, you know, the intensity, but also this kind of, you know, eagerness to win the title and the distrust, the, the shock on his face. Uh, everything he played throughout this was really, really good. And and it did remind me once again a little bit of Steve Austin The Rock when, you know, Stone Cold's willing to do anything for the title. And in that case, we saw he'll turn, obviously, here we're going to not quite get that but it was the same thing and like it wasn't over the top it wasn't stupid you generally felt that he wanted the title and you know the distrust that both are going to show was excellently done yeah and just he finishes off the interview saying i and these warriors will go on record to say we will do anything and pay any price to win the wwf title and that leaves the door open to you know us thinking that yeah they're willing to hire her player or mr perfect in their corner yeah. um it's then the week later, um, on the 15th of August, we've got a segment this time with me and Gene and the Macho Man. And Gene questions Macho Man about you know his deal with Flair and Perfect, but he doesn't really clarify anything the Macho Man. And he just says, you know, let's assume I'm not. It seems like the Warrior's been shaking down to his boots. And um, so I won't confirm whether I am or I am not because he's playing yeah. games with the Warrior. Um, and this time it's Mr. Perfect who comes out to the stage. 
Um, and he goes, I'm the greatest manager in the WWF. Um, and we've been in nego- negotiations night and day with the warrior. Um, you know, and he's made an offer and I might not be able to refuse it. Um, and he goes, I'll be there in one capacity or another. Um, <laughs> yeah, and the real place. And, and, you know, for me, watching this as a kid, I still recall thinking that Warriors not cutting a deal with these guys. It's Randy Savage, if there is. Um, well, divided loyalties, isn't it? So they're uh, getting the fans to pick a side. Yeah, but at the same time, now maybe I'm wrong and we weren't as smart as we thought we were as seven, eight-year-olds, but I think even at this stage, part of me felt this is just a ploy by Ric Flair and, and Mr. Perfect because we'd watched so much wrestling yeah. at this point, even though we were quite young. But I think out of the two, I was thinking, okay, Macho Man, it doesn't add up. Because, you know, week one, Warriors saved him. Ric Flair's came out. And it doesn't make sense for the Warriors to do it. But you made that point. And now if you're looking at it from a kid's weird, we're missing a lot of stuff here. But if you're looking at it from adults watching at the time, you know, we're willing to play, uh, pay any price, etc. You know, it's really planting the seeds that the average kid doesn't get there cheering. But it's kind of a bit heelish from the Warriors as well, saying, you know, he'll do whatever it takes. Um, and obviously the stakes are getting raised now. So you've got Flair one week pointing to Savage. Next week, Mr. Perfect's pointing to the Warrior being a bit crooked, and we don't know. And it's this intrigue building again. And it's a unique way, I say, two baby faces. So there's a heel involved as well. The heel's just not in the match. Yeah. And uh, it's really interesting. I, I loved it, the way the whole way they did it. And, and, and neither week did they confirm or deny that they're doing something or not. And uh, that just added to the intrigue. Um, a week later, we've got a, a segment with Mr. Perfect. And you know he goes and talks about how each of the Warrior, the Macho Man, um, think that they're going to hire Mr. Perfect um, but we're just going to have to wait and see as to which side he's really on um, and it's announced in that same show that they're going to have the Warrior and Macho Man team up against the Nasty Boys in the sort of go-home edition of Superstars. The Nasty Boys are a fitting tag team to have this uh, this battle well, with think, the Warrior. I don't think they're really fitting and it's a shame I don't have my Nasty Boy figures with me today because I would have thrown them up in the air once again like I have around the archives if you go back and check that out in one of our episodes. I think it was the SummerSlam 91 review, Wax. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's lots of promos here and this is the thing, right, when you compare to wrestling today, it's this slow build, week on week, promos, face-to-face, very little action, but it's building up and you're getting excited by this. If it was today, they probably would have wrestled in 10 matches on opposite sides and, you know, there'd be little intrigue left. But it's just this each week as well. They're cutting a promo against one another. They're accusing one another. Ric Flair and the Mr. Perfect are not giving anything away. And then there's this tag team match. So, you know, it's them against the Nasty Boys and, you know, what will happen? Can they coexist? Or, and will one of them maybe turn heel on the other one leading into the show? Absolutely. And on that show, the 29th of August, Superstars, the final show before SummerSlam, we've got that match between the Warrior uh, and Matchman versus the Nasty Boys. We've got this great sort of um, highlight package of, you know, everything that's happened up to this yeah. point. Uh, you've got the match itself, which, you know, is fine for what it was, um, it, but it's really all about the ending. Um, throughout the match, obviously, there's a lot of tension and mistrust between the two, but they get the job done. Um, I think, and Sags at one point hits Warrior, who hits Macho Man, and that again leads to some further tension during the yep. match. Um, and at the end of the match, it's Mr. Perfect and Flair who come and attack the Warrior. Um, and at that point, you think that's it. That's it. Yeah, Macho exactly. Man has paid for these guys to 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 sign the match to to sign 
sign up the match man basically um and i don't know what, what were you thinking at this point when you rewatched this back flash so yeah at the time i don't think i see at the time once again i never used to get to watch every week um so i'd get bits involved from people like yourself but watching it back that was what you'd think at the time right they're finally attacking him it's the go home show savage is the guy um but still something wasn't adding up because you know you're still thinking well the man who had the rivalry here was the macho man with rick flair and they've hated each other's guts, Elizabeth's out of the picture. But, you know, you think about it, you think, so how could he do that? So you're still a bit confused. And obviously, you know, we get a great post-match segment where once again, people that rip into the Warrior, you know, his interview posts this with the paints all off his face and Mean Gene's interviewing him. It's it's excellent where he can yeah. express his rage. And he, he, exactly, he very much thinks that Macho Man has hired the goons um, to, to beat him up and, and back in his corner. Uh, and the Macho Man has a segment of his own and he questions whether the, the Warriors' blows actually landed <laughs> on them. Uh, why did they run away from one man, which is a good point. Uh, and Macho Man said he wasn't buying any any of that show piece um, and claims that the Warrior fixed the beating with Mr. Flair and Perfect. Um, and I just thought it was a perfect way to lay the, the groundwork for, for a match between two faces. Yeah, and the thing is, right, the Warriors probably one of the crazy people that would get some, pay somebody to beat him up, probably <laughs> not even pay them, just say, you know, come and do it. But yeah, I think it was really interesting. And, you know, we're in the UK here, we're getting excited about this big main event. I still felt at the time Warrior would beat the Macho Man. And now, maybe we discuss this in our next episode, Wax, but there's a lot of conjecture even to now, if one of them was actually supposed to turn heel and then pulled out. Yep. And then they went with what we saw. So maybe we discuss that as we talk about the match in our next episode. But certainly leaving it here, um, the, you know, the door was still open in terms of, you know, whose side is who on. And what I also remember is, um, and I watched it again, is they have some interview segments which just kind of each guy standing cutting a promo. And yep. they show the same timeline and scenarios and the Warrior presents it how way, he sees yeah. things and Matchman presents it how he sees it. So they're spinning each segment to suit their own argument. So I'd encourage anyone to go and find that online. But that was brilliant as well. And, you know, it's the stuff like that that we wouldn't have appreciated no. as kids. But if you're an older fan watching it, it was brilliant because they're both, you know, looking at it from a totally different viewpoint to confuse the audience uh, in terms of what's going to happen in the big main event. Absolutely. And it's a big match, um, a big setting for it. And with lots of intrigue. Um, so, and I remember yeah. going into this WrestleMania 7, Warrior had retired the match, man. So. And I was actually going to, I was thinking that they never brought that up through this whole angle. It, it, was, it would have been another way to play exactly. on, you know, this fight uh, between the two. But obviously they went with Flair and Mr. Perfect, who were great foils for yeah. both Warrior. Um, and, and I think the outcome would have probably driven that as well, right? Because if you're going to play up to that, then it's redemption for the match, man, isn't it? Yeah, and that wasn't what they were potentially going to do here, so maybe they didn't. But we as fans knew that that had happened, um, and that's why I was a strong believer that the Warriors going to be the champion at SummerSlam. Will he or won't he? We'll discuss that in the next episode. But certainly, this was uh, for SummerSlam, we thought we'd never see as it was hyped. Um, big show, this was a huge main event, and I remember being super excited for it. Um, back in the summer of 1992, and I remember every kid was super excited for it, and they had their, their favorites. Um, and I don't know, in terms of, like I said, Ric Flair was your guy, right? But in terms of Macho and Warrior, I would think you would be siding with the Macho Man, given, you know, you were, you were really into his Jake Roberts angle. Um, but do you recall who you're going for in this in this meeting? I, I think I, I was with the Macho Man. And even when I watched him back, I had, uh, I was almost siding with him um, throughout this whole 
sort of um, angle. Um, and not that I don't dis- I, I, that I dislike the Warrior in any way, shape, or form, but um, I was a, I was a sort of match. Now you appreciate it. I mean, match for man works so well with the yeah. Warrior. You know, he really got the best out of him. Probably Warriors two best opponents are the match man and Rick Rude, and I'd say match man is ultimate. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward opponent. to rewatching uh, SummerSlam and covering this match in our next episode. <laughs> But let's move on to the other big build. The other big build. And for us, this was the main event. And we'd learned that it was the big return of the British hero. The British Bulldog would take on Brett the Hitman Hart for the Intercontinental Championship. And Wax, once again, big change, right? We were thinking we're going to get Shawn Michaels against Bret Hart. Rumours that time, ladder match. And we thought British Bulldog was going to be in a throwaway match with the Repo Man. But once again, the location is Wembley Stadium. So... They've got to have the big British star in a prominent match. And then they announce it that, you know, it's going to be Bret Hart versus the Bulldog. Uh, they kept saying his hometown, which is not true. Of course, we know London is not the hometown of the British Bulldog. But yeah, it doesn't make a difference in terms of the hype. Um, but this was huge at the time. Um, and they revealed something that we didn't know as fans and, you know, most people watching, that these guys were actually brother-in-law, something that had never been mentioned to my recollection on WWF television. Yeah, something that we never really used to come up. Real life, real yeah. family life was never really mentioned. But on that 25th July episode, which seems to be like a monumental episode. That's where um, he changed everything, wasn't it? We yeah. talked about there was probably two sets of tapings and Vince Mann's ripped up the script. And on this show, this is what we're doing and everything's thrown at you in one go pretty much. Yeah, it's announced that it's going to be Brett hit my heart against the British Bulldog for the IC title. And we get a promo from Brett where he announces, you know, that Bulldog is married to his sister. <clears throat> and then Bulldog later on in the show saying, you know, there's a lot of tension in the families. Uh, and there's a point made about him being in, uh, undefeated in England. Um, so obviously... Not that they were his, having matches there every no, week. Uh, building up his threat. Uh, but very much, I mean, if you think about these two guys, you would say they're, you know, bona fide mid-carders. They came up together in the tag team division. Um, they've, got, they've had their sort of singles pushes in different ways. But very much in the forefront, um, if you're looking at, WWE characters, WWF characters of the early 90s. And you know what, this is interesting. So we're talking another babyface versus babyface match. So this is where it's different again. We've got that in our world title picture, but we've got this for the Intercontinental title as well. So once again, who are you supposed to side with? Now, I think in the US, in most markets, Bret Hart's way more popular than the British Bulldog at this time. Um, but you've got the dynamic of the UK. Now, what I did find interesting was the point, like I said, you know, the, uh, Bulldog alluding to there being tension in the family, um, even though the match had just been announced. So <laughs> we can go by kayfabe that maybe, you know, they were told weeks in advance of this going on, but um, it seems that the family got tense extremely quickly. But, well, this yeah. family we know has uh, a <laughs> you know, of... uh, yeah, yeah, so this is, uh, you know, a very unique family. But as you say, this was the first time outside of Macho Man and Elizabeth, you didn't know about people's personal lives and this was like once again in this cartoony world we're going to like real life as it feels as if this is a totally different yeah part of the universe compared to everything else we're seeing Absolutely. and to really build it up in the coming weeks wax when they bring in you know promos from family members um which i thought were brilliant and i, I did get a chuckle out of a few of them as well <clears throat> yeah we'll come to them shortly we've got uh, the following week after the announcement we've got british bulldog saying you know let's keep it between me and you brett um, and keep the family out of it. <clears throat> Again, just referencing the fact that the, the family is 
and divided between the middle, uh, between who's going to win. <clears throat> but it's the week after, I think, that they've got um, the first involvement of family members. It's Stu and Helen Hart, obviously the the father and mother of Brett and Owen and the, the other Harts. <clears throat> and you know, they're very much talking about house divided. Uh, we are falling apart. Helen looks upset. Um and later, you know, the bulldog again adds to the whole family split dynamic. Well, can I just jump in there? Because this is what I was trying to get to before. <laughs> this was really funny to me because if you were just, yeah, you're saying they are, but really it's Helen who's doing a very good job acting and showing the, and uh, Stu's just sitting there. Stu, like, Stu doesn't give a shit about anything. He, he's just sitting there like he has no clue what the chat is about. And he's kind of sitting there he looking. Could care less. Really, yeah. it's as if, you know, He's kind of saying, let's wrap this up so he can watch his favorite TV show. Go back and watch this. Helen's acting is actually pretty good if you like this kind of cheese. But but Stu just seemed like he really didn't care. So I thought the segment was funny unintentionally because of that. Um, the way one is trying to really sell it and the other guy who should really should be selling it because he's Stu Hart. <laughs> he's the wrestling legend. Is just sitting there like, you know, he, he can't be bothered with any of it and actually pretty confused by the whole thing. Yeah, I think he gets better over time with more and more angles that you do. I just see Stu and Helen on TV quite a lot. Um, I don't think he really gets better though. Do we? Well, <laughs> I think yeah, well, to be mostly that, passive, but um, in the following can you do year, a, can you do a Stu Hart uh, impression? No, I can't. I think we're going to have to get Bruce Richard to, to do we'll that. He to, does a yeah, well, maybe tremendous one for a, yeah, a couple of minutes one day. Um, I think on the fifteenth of August we get a, a, another key member of the family involved is diana hart and actually this one made me she laugh is the key one yeah a she's the most important person here she's obviously brett's sister and she, um she's married to the bulldog and she's putting on the emotion um she's saying brett's talking to me like i'm the enemy uh brett's obsessed with keeping the belt um davy's consumed with winning it um it's an oscar worthy performance uh, from diana hart but the, the funny thing is Everything we know about Diana Hart, she was very much wanting to be at the forefront of, you know, in front of the camera. Which we learned later on, yeah. Premium sort of TV role. So this was like almost... Premium, a, a, premium role or a prominent role? <clears throat> well, a prominent role is what I meant to say, but a premium came out. But uh, it very much seemed like an audition to events to, you know, hire me, hire me because uh, I could do something for you. And uh, it, was, it was a good promo. I liked it. Yeah, and talking about auditions, I think there's a few auditions here and we'll probably get to the next one in a bit, but yeah. Um, so this is the first time we've seen Diana Hart and it was interesting and yeah, I think she sold it pretty well. I don't know about Oscar worthy, you're probably being a little bit <laughs> a little bit over-egging it there, but it was good. And um, you know, what else was interesting here, if you could go in a time machine, you know, the first person to say that Brett's obsessed with the belt and of course we'd learn about Brett Hart in the years that would follow that, you know, various people would accuse him. Uh, in real life of being obsessed with the belt and his legacy and who he was so it was interesting that the first person to ever see it was his sister in the build-up to this event when we really are still getting to grips with Bret Hart the single star and, and the champion but yeah as you say Bulldog talks about you know she says sorry that um you know Bulldog's doing it for the family he's doing it for us the kids you know to put mm-hmm. food on the table so they're really playing on this emotional turmoil between the two guys and the next one also really hits home because, again, everything you know about the hearts thereafter is this is almost like real life playing out on TV. Uh, it's Bruce Hart, um, Brett's brother, who's wearing a bulldog shirt. Um, and Bruce says, you know, he's sick of everything revolving around Brett. And that you can imagine is the full truth coming out there uh, because Bruce never really made it um, on, onto anywhere near the level of Owen and certainly not Brett. Um, 
and he goes, when your head is that big, sometimes you you can't do your best. Um, and then, I mean, what were what your comments on, on that? Well, this is one? the one I actually want to talk yeah. about, the three of them. So I was like, because we don't ever talk about what we're going to talk about, Wax, in the show, this is the one I was looking forward to the most because, yeah, Bruce Hart comes across pretty pathetic here. You're talking about auditioning, he's auditioning. And I don't know if you know, this guy at this point had started planting the seeds of his own storyline that would never be without really consulting anyone. So, you know, like I say, he takes digs up Brett, which to the audience would make no sense, right? This guy we've never seen TV. Why does he not like his brother? But we will learn later on, a year later at Survivor Series, Bruce Hart had been pitching the storyline to Vince McMahon for a while about being in the WWF and then turning on Brett through jealousy. So the role that Owen Hart plays a year later, Bruce Hart was wanting that role and it was actually Brett that nixed it and Owen got it. So there's a whole story here and I didn't realize this interview until I went back and saw it. So this is where he's really planting the seeds about, you know, looking at himself yep. and going into business for himself to kind of start something with Brett. But if you're just watching this coolly, it doesn't make much sense because once again, he's positioning him as the kind of heel here and just going off on tangents about, you know, Brett having a big head and all this kind of stuff. But we would learn later on that Bruce was very much, as you say, I think jealous of where Brett was and maybe, you know, where, where Owen would be. Um, so he's trying to, to basically uh, get in front of the cameras and maybe yep. secure himself a job. But I certainly found this the, the funniest one uh, because it very much just seemed like one guy <laughs> going into business for himself. Absolutely. And I think a couple other interesting things about this show uh, in particular, Brett has a match later on. And then during that, they play a very, very short interview from Owen Hart, who very much says he picks Brett to beat the Bulldog. <clears throat> but there's also another interesting little tidbit. I think we talked about a little bit previously is during the match, Papa Shango comes out <clears throat> and he's doing his, you know, usual voodoo gimmick. Spell. And, uh, he, he, it's looked, it looks like he's cursed or put a spell on, on the hitman. Not that it impacts the result of this match, um, but I think you referenced this potentially being an angle um, after SummerSlam. Yeah, so this interesting. So from memory, I think what happens is Papa Shango does come out here, Wax. But prior to that, I think Papa Shango was attacking a jobber after he's won a match. And Brett comes out and makes a save, which then later in the show, Papa Shango comes out. And what we see, you know, what he was doing to the Ultimate Warrior some months ago, we see him basically putting what seems like a spell on Bret Hart, now I really couldn't recall this until we started doing these shows and they do allude to it if Papa Shango's put a curse on Bret Hart in the weeks that fall and even Bret Hart alludes to it in one of his interviews but says, you know, he doesn't believe in it and what have you. So yes, they had planted the seeds here for, you know, eventually explaining the outcome of the match at SummerSlam and, and a feud post it. But no, that's not going to happen but, but certainly this was something I totally didn't remember happening at the time and it was interesting to to watch it out and revisit that so you know there's a once again a feud going on but there's another angle at the side which might lead to something um which is interesting wwf was doing at this point absolutely so there you have it i mean that's the build-up to the two big title matches at SummerSlam 92 um so both matches i think that are well worth uh you well to going out and go watch them before we do our show next week um, and cover those in pieces. I'm actually looking forward to watching that Brett Bulldog match. I've not yeah, seen that in a very long one, time. One of the best ever, isn't it? We're talking about Intercontinental title matches. Um, but yeah, at this point, I don't know. Once again, it was like a match that was an interesting match, but I don't remember being overexcited for it. And maybe it was because the British Bulldog was obviously the biggest British star there right now. I mean, we used to think that Roddy Roddy Piper was generally from Glasgow, so he's probably, you know, in Scotland, our favourite. But 
I don't know. At this point, I didn't really have a favorite between them, even though the Bulldog was representing the UK. And it was more. I mean, for me, I'm a a Bret Hart mark. You're a big for me. uh, You know, watching Bret come through the the ranks was something special. And every match, I would be really exciting for me, regardless of who it was against. And this one had that little added edge to it, being a family matter and being the British Bulldog, who I also was a big fan of. I actually really was looking forward yeah, to yeah, you, you 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 were a big bulldog fan I remember and uh, you know and, and we've mentioned this in the last show but because this was kind of thrown together because of Wembley Stadium control the cough wax control the cough that's it press the mute button um they had a match which was a dark match which I discussed previously that was a really good match and we don't know if it was a trial for this or just something they put together because it was going to be Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels but it's a good match which Bret Hart wins which you can also find online so this was before you know, this match was announced and obviously a dark match so it wasn't televised but yeah we've got the kind of big two big matches and you know what i like about this wax this was the way it should be the two biggest single titles are the yep. two biggest most promoted titles and matches at the event which we don't get once again right now there's just a number of titles but they don't mean as much that this was a time when the intercontinental title did mean a lot and it was genuinely you know the, the second most important thing going on definitely um, Anything else, Fash, you want to mention in the build-up to SummerSlam 92? Yeah, well, I think with some of the other matches, let's quickly run through them. I mean, we'll obviously cover each match as we do the, the review show, but um, we've talked about turmoil in the tag team division. didn't make much sense. There was various flip-flops. We know that the Beverly Brothers will take on um, the Natural Disasters now. Wasn't excited about that. The other tag team match will be the LOD versus Money Incorporated. So at one point, that was going to be your tag team title match, you would have thought. Um the other kind of big kind of marquee match probably that you think about on this card was the Undertaker versus Kamala. Once again, thrown together wax, it was Berserker and Undertaker taking each other on. Kamala debuts around about the same time. They drop the Berserker angle and suddenly, you know, there's a face-off between Kamala and the Undertaker and we get this match announced. And then it's really just promos, isn't it, between the two? There's one there wasn't that much interesting stuff. There wasn't happening much happening. Is Kamala just running away from the Undertaker, really? Yeah. <laughs> We're doing it very well in this character that we Doing it very about. well. And I guess he was a newcomer, he's this monster, so you're intrigued because this is the first kind of big monster that the Undertaker's facing. We kind of maybe forget this. Yeah. At this point, he was the heel, Jake Roberts. So this is his first big kind of monster opponent. And we know there's going to be lots of that. But that was being hyped up around this time in terms of big match. One that I do think is interesting because we've talked about babyface versus babyface. It was heel versus heel, which we really didn't see back then. And this was a match that was um, hyped up once again because of the changes. Shawn Michaels and the model Rick Martel. This had a very interesting premise, um, but once again, thrown together because um, the Intercontinental title title match got basically changed leading into this. Yeah, they were obviously... Everybody recognizes Shawn Michaels' talent at this point, so they really want him to have a massive push. And they do give him a lot of TV time every week, you know, interview here and there with Sherry um, by his side. But the the interesting concept for this match is that both have agreed that they're not going to punch each other in the face uh, because obviously they don't want to do any damage to their good looks, which is a hilarious. Um, it was, uh, and it was Sherry that drove that, wasn't it? So, in terms of how I went back to kind of remember how this feud kind of came together because they say it was thrown together and it's really an episode of superstars i think it might be challenge it's rick martell getting a title shot against bret hart and he's got bret hart in the boston crab and suddenly Shawn michaels comes out and attacks bret hart and martell gets disqualified so that starts it and the next week Shawn michaels is taking on a jobber 
and Mordorick Martell comes out. And interestingly, he looks at Sherry, he winks at her, and there's a bit of shock from Sherry, but then she winks back at him. So it sets some, you know, some tension going on. And the week after, it's Martell against the jobber, and you've got Sherry coming out and watching and actually it's sherry that puts the stipulation in place so it's like she doesn't want to see mm-hmm. these faces get damaged so this and both heels agreed to it so another kind of interesting premise something thrown together and some intrigue behind it as well because you hadn't really seen bad guy versus bad guy at this this point so a mid card match but um we you know down the line we'd, we'd appreciate how good these two are as workers absolutely in terms of anything else it was crushed in the repo man we talked a little bit about their demolition links in the in the previous episode um and you know there was berserker and tatanka as well both coming out of potential feuds with other people but they were put together very hastily yeah and and what will be interesting when we discuss in the next show some of these matches didn't actually air on the pay-per-view yeah so they were kind of shot for the audience some for the british crowd others didn't get it and there's a story behind you know what day the people in the US watched this event and what day actually took place in the UK. But yeah, I mean, what you had was a really big card here. Um, but I think, you know, in terms of feature matches, we were just, people in the UK were super excited that this was going to take place here. And you had loads of these kind of rivalries in there. Like you say, Nails against Virgil. We've mentioned that before. Yep. Um, you know, that was part of it. Um, you, you had other people as well involved in the card that maybe not as prominent and, and you know, scattered in different areas. We also hear that Roddy Piper will make an appearance. So we've not seen him since WrestleMania 8. Um, so that was quite interesting that he'd be showing up. Um, but that wasn't really overly promoted. Um, if you watched a couple of UK shows, now when I'm you know discussing my memories with you in the next show, um, Roddy Piper appeared on a TV show for kids that I used to watch back in the day and kind of announced that he was going to be at SummerSlam. So yeah, I mean, you had all the kind of big stars um, but really, you know, the focus was really on a handful of big matches. Um, but what also made this a very significant card, Wax, was that this was the first pay-per-view post-Hulk Hogan. So I think, you know, the eyes of the experts were also on this. You know, could it be successful without the Hulkster? Yeah, you can imagine Hulk Hogan thinking or hoping that it wasn't uh, successful. Definitely. But uh, you will very much talk about the card and the success of the show in our next episode. So I do, I would really recommend everybody go out of their way and go watch this show because it is one that will bring back a lot of memories to you, especially if you're British um, like we are. Um, so yeah, go watch the show, um, see how you think it was going to pan out and see how it actually did pan out. See if you remember that Brett Bulldog match that everybody talks about even now. It still um, stands up to time. You might remember it if you're not seeing it recently. Yeah. So you go back and, well, go back and watch this build up if you haven't. And then obviously watch the card or watch it post our show, whatever suits you. Um, I'm looking forward to the next show. It's one of the big ones that you know we remember and still I think stands the test of time. Great venue, great atmosphere the whole night, and some really big stars. And this is the show wax where you know, post this event, by the time you get to the next pay-per-view, there's going to be further shuffling of the decks and a lot of wrestlers we're not going to see um for a while on wwf television um so yeah i'm looking forward to it um you've got through this show without coughing i know there's a few coughs there and you had the mute button ready which was very professional of you um but yeah we'll look forward to catching up with you gal in the next show um in the meantime please check out our youtube channel please subscribe and like drop us your comments um also wherever you get your podcasts check us out there follow us and follow us on instagram and twitter as well you've been posting some stuff on twitter wax it's with the nwa in the 1980s um i have uh, yeah i've, I've, re- seen, I've recently yeah. started rewatch or not rewatching watching for the first time 
um, you know, the NWWW Jim Crockett promotions era, late 80s um, WCW shows, just skimming through them, really picking out some of the key happenings. And actually, I'm, I'm very much enjoying watching some of the old characters, things that I've never really seen before. The foundation I used to do that as well. I think I was watching... Up with the Four Horsemen. It's just, it's really interesting just to see what the business was like back then, what a non-WWF show was like back then. Um, and there's a lot of good value, good stuff in there. A lot of bad stuff in there as well, but... Um, well, I just thought it'd be interesting it's all to go about, you know, yeah, and the comparison between the two companies is really clear to see when it's, I guess, the yeah. team versus that because in the 90s it tried to be a little bit more like WWE light, but it didn't really work. Um, so yeah, um, check out the old stuff as well. It's all about wrestling with memories. But until next time, he's Wax, I'm Fash, and we look forward to catching you next week.